0: This Friday, we're gonna to worship together, and I can't wait for that. Who's ready for the word today? Come on, that's like seven people. Come on, Newbird, that's it. Like, who's excited for the word of God today? We're in a series called Who is the Boss? Who's the Boss? Uh, week one of this series, we talked about orientation, and, and very quickly, we said, man, orientation. We believe that God is the boss, God owns everything. And we are simply followers and stewards of what He gives us. Week one of this series, we we you know we we talked about orientation. Simply, we said the orientation to be a G- Jesus follower is the number one: die to self. Uh, the following week after that was our job description, and and really what week two was about is not only dying to self but living in the Spirit. Come on, how many guys received the word for that? And and today's sermon is about training. In other words, today is training day. Can you look at the person next to you and say, it's training day today. It's training day today. I really believe you are going to leave with some tools. You're going to leave with some training. Uh, Let me give you the definition of training. Training is preparation for what is to come. And that's what God wants to do. God doesn't want to leave you alone. God doesn't want you to, to be caught off guard. God simply wants to train you for what is to come. And listen, I cannot talk about training and not talk about the Bible. In fact, today's entire sermon is about the Bible. I hope today some followers of Jesus get their Bible out the closet and blow the dust off that thing. You know what I'm saying? Just just blow it off. You cannot be trained if your Bible is closed. You cannot ask God to speak if your Bible is closed. In fact, how many of you guys believe the Bible is the word of God? It says in 2 Timothy chapters 3 and 16, if you don't have a Bible, buy a Bible if you follow Jesus. Invest in your relationship with God. But if you don't have one, there's one behind me. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture, someone say all scripture, is inspired by God. So there's so many different authors, but there's one ghostwriter, and it's the Holy Ghost. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Here's my first point today. When you're in the word, you are in training. So many Christians, what, we, we, we want the orientation. Uh, we, you know, we, we want we want the job description. But are you being trained every day in the word of God? Here's the truth, which is my next point, is that The word of God is your backbone, church. It's your backbone. Your money is not your backbone because sometimes when your money gets funny, you're not supposed to bend over. Sometimes in life, we make other things our backbone. And when that is taken away or that begins to get depleted or maybe that well dries out or maybe that relationship grows stale, now our life seems to go stale. No, that's not true, church. I want to train you in life. We ought to have the Bible as our backbone. The word of God is the spine in my back. It gives me posture when life gets tough. It gives me a stand. I will stand strong in the Lord because I am in the Word of God. Christians that are not in the Word are loosey-goosey. They just go by feelings and circumstances. No, I don't live life on my feelings. I live life on my backbone, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is your backbone. Do you feel like a shaky Christian? Do you feel lukewarm at times? Do you feel like some seasons you're great and some seasons, I mean, you're one bad thing away from turning away from the faith? How is your Bible reading? How how is your relationship with the word of God? Because God speaks through preachers. God speaks through prophets. But God always speaks through his word. How can the Bible be my backbone? Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie when he says a promise, you know, my God, see, he keeps his promises. And that becomes the backbone of my life. That if God said it, he will do it. He's not like a man. Nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said? And will he not do it? The Bible is your backbone. Here's what the Bible also do or does is this. The Bible trains you for temptation. Come on, today's training day, y'all. I came here to train you. The Bible trains you for temptation. God will never tempt you. Did he know that? When you're tempted, listen, temptation is different than testing. Because what can't be tested can't be trusted. But God doesn't tempt you. It says in my word. Anybody read the word today? Come on. Do I have any Christians in here today? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 13, God is faithful He will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So this is where you hear that saying, God will never give you more than you can handle. That is a bad exegesis of this Bible verse. You ever ever seen straight out of Compton? That's straight out of context. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) God will never give you more than you can bear. That's not true. That's not the Bible. Listen, God sometimes gives you more than you can bear so that he can get glory through what you're going through. So that saying is just a bad interpretation of this verse. But this is what it really says. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted watch this he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it what am i trying to say listen when you're being tempted the enemy gives you temptation but god gives you an escape plan right there some of us you know we always give in to temptation but we forget that yeah i may be in temptation but god right there is training he's giving me an escape plan you know, when, when the enemy comes to, to, to tempt you to sin, this, come on, this is the Bible training you today, that God provides a way out. God will provide a way of escape, other translations say. God will provide a way for you to get out of that temptation and not fall into the sin, but go and follow his way. The Bible trains you for temptation. What is the, the next point? The Bible also prepares you for what is to come. Amen. It says in Revelation 19 and 15, not out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. This is John writing. And the book of Revelation is not to be, ri- to be read literally. It's actually written in apocalyptic literature. It's written, the book of Revelation is written the same way C.S. Lewis writes the Narnia books. It's very uh, flamboyant and poetic. So when you see a sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus, it's not a literal sword. Or fire coming from his eyes. It's not literal. This is John writing in apocalyptic literature. I saved you money in in seminary. I learned that there. I saved you that. It says in Revelation, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he would strike the nations and he himself will rule with, rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierce fierceness and the wrath of almighty God. Listen, one day Jesus will return and destroy all evil in the world. He'll destroy all satanic powers. He will destroy all satanic authority. Anybody believe in the Bible? Anybody believe in the word of God that Jesus... Is coming back, and he's coming back. He came like a sheep, and he was slaughtered like a lamb, but he will return like a lion, the king. That's what the word says. The Bible trains you for what is to come. It's like when you need to do a book report on a book you didn't read, what do you do? You go to the end of the book. Church, I'm reading you the end of the book. Listen, tell this to your neighbor. We win. Come on, tell somebody we win. Hey, I know sometimes we're in life and it don't feel like we're winning, but can I encourage you? Jesus, will—he was—he seated at the right hand, but he will inhabit in our land. He will strike down evil, and he will reign on earth, and we will reign with him. That's what the end, the Bible trains you for what is to come. In other words, next point, the Bible prepares you for the end. The disciples say, give us signs of your coming when you will return. Jesus said there will be earthquakes. We just had a crazy earthquake in Turkey and and surrounding areas. And I want to let you know, if you give to this church, if you're tithing and giving to this church, you already responded to what's going on. We give money to, come on, can we give praise to Jesus? I don't know about you. If you didn't know, there's a percent... There's a percent of every dollar we raise that goes to missions. We, we, believe, we believe in missions. And disaster relief. But the Bible prepares us for this. Give us signs if you're coming. He gives a bunch of signs. This is, this is one of our 16 fundamental truths we believe. This is, I, I know I've been creeping them in every, every series. And it's this. We believe this as a church, as an assemblies of God church. This is one of the 16 fundamental truths we hold to to be a full gospel ministry. And it's this, the blessed hope. The blessed hope that one day Jesus will return. Where do we get this from? Where do we get this from? We get it from Titus 2.13. It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, New Church. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back in glory. And he's coming back in power. And he's coming back for his church. The Bible it trains you for temptation. It trains you for what's to come. It should be your backbone. It prepares you for the end. But this last idea, is what really today is going to be about is that the Bible prepares you for suffering. Can I preach? I want to preach today in the church. It says in Romans eight sixteen and 17, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children then we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God, we're fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The Bible is training you for suffering. And he's saying if you're a child, then you're an heir. And if you're an heir, We will suffer with Christ, but we will also be glorified with Christ. In other words, Jesus suffered on the cross, but he wasn't in the tomb too long. On the third day, my Jesus rose up with all glory, with all power, and in the same way that he suffered and was raised up, church, in your suffering, Jesus will raise you up. Training you for this. Can I give you types of suffering? We need. we need to talk about suffering. I believe God heals. But what happens when you don't have the healing? Are we supposed to abandon our God? Are we supposed to say, but God, you did this in the Bible. Why are you not doing it in me? Are we supposed to question our God? When we don't get what we're praying for? No, the Bible prepares us for suffering. Types of suffering. Sickness and disease. Different type of suffering. Rejection. And social bullying. And listen, God's, listen, I know some of us, we, we suffer, but God's not calling you to, to correct people on Facebook. I want to release you of that. Let, let God fight your battles and the people of God say amen. Listen, stop trying to clean a fish before you catch it. So we, we get that holy anger and we think we're supposed to fight against flesh and blood. Can I tell the church we battle not against flesh and blood, but of principalities. Suffer. Suffering happens. Rejection, social bullying, hatred towards you. Listen, people just hate you sometimes just because you believe in Jesus. Attitudes or words or actions against someone who identifies with Christ, that's suffering. Physical or verbal abuse because you believe in Jesus, that's suffering. Imprisonment. I've spoken to pastors that have done mission work and they had to do it underground and something got out and they did prison time because of them speaking the gospel. That is a type of suffering. Bribery. I've heard heard stories of people on missions trips that the police would say, okay, give us $100, $1,000, and we'll set you free. That's suffering. Deportation. I've heard of missionaries that got deported during the pandemic just because they believe in Jesus. But if you were preaching anything else, we'd let you stay. But because you preach Jesus, we'll deport you. That's a type of suffering. Destruction of property. Suffering. Fines torture it's a type of suffering and sometimes even murder it says in Matthew 10 verses 17 and 13 Eugene Peterson gives a great transliteration of the Bible and that's the message translation and he writes this don't be naive some people will question your motives others will smear your reputation just because you believe in me Anybody being trained up today? Don't be upset when they haul you before civil authorities. Without knowing it, they've done you and me a favor, giving you a platform for preaching the kingdom news. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So they're saying the suffering is actually doing something for the kingdom? Here's my next point your suffering becomes a platform. We're preaching. Your suffering is not when you stop talking about Christ. Your suffering is a platform to tell people, life is hard, but God is good. My body is sick, but God is good. My money is funny, but God is good. My life is hard, but God is good. I buried a relative, but God is good. I'm experiencing anxiety, but God is good. I am afraid sometimes, but God is good. The world doesn't want to hear your life is fine and dandy. We all know you're lying. Life's not, life is tough, man. I don't, do I got any human beings that live any second? Suffering is all around us and that's not when we shy away, but you're suffering. What it says here that Paul's saying becomes a platform for your preaching. It says in Matthew ten, twenty-one, and 23... When people realize it's the living God you're representing and not some idol that makes them feel good, they're going to turn on you. Even people in your own family. Can I train people? Today's training day. Even when your family turns their backs on you because of your following and your leadership that you accept from Jesus. Listen, that is suffering, but that is not an excuse to fall away from the faith. You're being trained today. Even when family turn their back on you. There's a great irony here. Proclaiming so much love. But experiencing so much hate. But don't quit. Don't cave in. It is all well worth it in the end. It is not success you are after in such times. But it is survival. Listen, I, I know I know it's, it, it's, sometimes it's easy to have faith when everything's going good. Can I preach to a church that's in the room today? I can understand you living in tranquility when all your family and everyone you know is healthy and wealthy. I can understand peaceful living when you have nothing to worry about. I understand you doing well and and, and living in tranquility and and being joyful because everything is in line and all your ducks are in order. I understand what it is to walk in peace when your marriage is doing great and everything's doing fine but what happens when your life is literally in the fire? What happens when people turn their backs on you. What happens when you walk in flames, when you walk in suffering? Do you see the suffering as a platform to preach or do we use suffering as an excuse to shy back? I'll put it this way. Next point, suffering is normal in a fallen world. Jesus says to Adam and Eve, we see in in, in the Old Testament, God speaks, you know, we believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God tells them, listen, if you sin, you will surely die. The wages of sin is what, church? It's death. And we sinned and we fell. And this fallen world is a consequence of our sin. What am I trying to say to you? That God is not the maker of genocide, that's a result of a fallen world. That God is not inventing diseases. That these are repercussions that he warned us of in a fallen and sinful world. Anybody believe the word of God? I believe it to be true. Suffering is normal in a fallen world. Let me give you this next idea. Suffering should not compromise your testimony. Come on, how many guys know we we, we got to give testimony of Jesus in this world? The, the suffering that I may be enduring should not compromise my testimony. i put it this way. What you're going through should not overtake who you are. Your, your, your surroundings, your, what's coming onto your boat, onto your camp, onto your life, should not be an excuse for you to shy back or to change who God's made you to be. Another way of saying this is this. What is thrown at you shouldn't compromise what is in you. The next point is it says that what is thrown at you shouldn't compromise what is, with, what is in you. And this is really what the whole sermon's about. I got a lot more slides, so follow me. If you're taking notes, we're going to go step by step. But this is really what all today's about. And it's this we don't just suffer, we suffer well. Come on, everybody receiving this in the name of Jesus. Church, we don't just suffer, we suffer well. When we're in suffering, we, give, we still give God glory. When we, when, we, when we are burying a relative, we still give God praise. Since 2020, I've been to more funerals than I've had been in my entire life. I've lost family. I've lost friends. Life is hard, but God is good. How do we suffer well? You're asking great questions today, church. Number one... We endure with a grateful heart. Our worship team, I remember when we started the church, we had different things we used to do and we'd write into our WhatsApp chat every day something we're grateful for. Every day. Listen, the church shouldn't only be grateful and thankful and thanksgiving. Every day we should write to God what we're we're grateful for. God, I'm I'm thankful for my life. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my house. I have a roof over my head. I'm thankful for my vehicle. I'm thankful, God, for my job. God, I'm thankful for grace. God, your word says every morning. Come on, anybody grateful today for all that God has given them. I know we're praying for stuff. I know we're waiting for stuff. But God, where I'm at right now, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful. This is how we suffer well. We confuse the enemy. We confuse the world. Because they're like, man, aren't you sick? Why are you grateful? grateful aren't you depleted why are you thankful aren't you in need listen I may be in need but if I have Jesus I have everything I need I must endure with the heart that is grateful I pray God restore gratitude in the hearts of his children I pray God will give you a spirit of gratitude Man, don't be discouraged, cause God hasn't moved the way He wants you to move. Can I remind you? Two thousand years ago, He moved the way you needed Him to move. He moved to the cross. He moved to death, and He rose up for you. God never did anything else. Was that enough, church? Was that enough? Was that enough? A grateful heart. A grateful heart. That's how we suffer well. First Thessalonians five eighteen, and everything, give thanks. Doesn't say sometimes. Doesn't say when you get the prayer request and everything gives thanks come on i'm going to give you 3 seconds to just give thanks to god and everything gives thanks thank you and everything gives thanks and everything gives thanks if you want to learn a bit more how to suffer well from now to next sunday read the book of job you could read it probably in 25 minutes you could read it with a commentary and probably a half hour and learn a little bit about stuff how to suffer well. Man, look at Job. Look at let me read to you Job chapter 1. This is the first chapter. Chapter 1 and 21 it says naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. Why is he saying that? Cuz he was rich and all his crops got destroyed. He had a family and all his children got sick and died. Everything in his life went wrong. Everything in his life went wrong. Everything in his life went wrong. Life went wrong. And he gets to this point and say, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. I came into this world naked." And naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. We praise God when he gives. Do we praise God even when he takes away? The Lord gives and he takes away. But but, but, but here's the thing. May the name of the Lord be praised. May the name of the Lord be praised. Church, I'm going to give you two minutes to give praise to God. God, you give and you take away. But I will always praise you. Church, next point, your response to suffering matters. How are you When life brings pressure, what juice comes out of you? We have fruit of the Spirit. And I believe the Spirit wants to give you fruit. He's giving you fruit. But when life gives pressure, what's coming out of you? Psalms 3418 says this. I sent this to a friend today who lost his father. This past week I sent this to him. I said, listen, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So, listen, even if you're in suffering, God still wants to be close to you. I'll put it this way. In the pressure, he is close in proximity. Listen, you want God to use you? Get ready for pain. I, I, wanna, I really, I really want to set some people free today. Because we always pray for God to use us. Anybody wave at me. You're like, God, I want to do something great for your name. God, I want to be used by your glory for your glory. I want to do amazing things in the Lord. Anybody here today? Let me help you. Let me train you. The level of God using you is directly connected to the threshold of suffering you're willing to endure. The level that God can use you is directly connected to the suffering that you are willing to endure. If you've been in the Lord for any type of seconds, you know that that is true. That once God starts to do something in your life, equal to the amount of purpose is the amount of pain. And then the pressure. We sing songs like this, God bring new wine out of me. You know how wine comes to be about. With the pressure. With the pain. With the suffering. And God allows it not to kill you. But to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ and the pressure, he's close. When you're brokenhearted, he's close. How we suffer well, we need to endure with a grateful heart. But number two, we need to persevere with the faithful spirit. Where are my faithful people in the room today? Faithful, faithful, faithful. I'm faithful because he's faithful. I'm not faithful because my family's faithful. I'm faithful because he's faithful. I'm not faithful because my hope group is faithful. I'm faithful because he's faithful. It's not that I'm just connected to the right people. I'm corrected to the right God. He's faithful, so I'm faithful. Proverbs 3, 5, very simple. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm faithful because I trust him with everything that I have. And that's maybe why sometimes suffering comes into our world. Because God is testing your trust. He's testing your trust. If you ever bought medication before, you know this. If you're in the medical field, you know this. There's some medication before you can buy it, before it's sold. to Every Walgreens and CVS, before it's sold. Listen, it is tested. Why are they doing that? Because we're not just going to give you something. We're going to make sure that what we're providing has gone through testing. It's gone through the fire. And listen, if you cannot be tested, you cannot be trusted the next point, really what I'm trying to help you today. I pray God, train us today. Suffering deepens your faith. Deepens your faith. 2 Corinthians 417, for our light and momentary troubles. That's a little insensitive, Paul. (laughs) It's a little insensitive. Our light. Yeah, here's why he means light. Because he's talking about momentary. And he's comparing that to eternal things. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. When you balance your pain and suffering and scale to eternity in Christ, it far outweighs it all. It's not even close, guys. It's not even close. Sometimes when you're in suffering, sometimes you just gotta look at the eternal glory that's coming. Listen, there's sometimes in your life you guys say, man, this is so tough, but watch this, watch this. God, I, I trust that one day you will wipe every tear, you will heal all sickness. Listen, if you have a bad hip, listen, when Jesus returns and he glorifies your body, that hip is back in order. If you got scoliosis, the day that Jesus returns, that back is straightened up. If you're short like me, I believe your glorified body will probably all, we'll all just be like six foot two or something like that. Like God's going to glorify your body. God's going to baptize your body. And there's no sickness in heaven. There's no COVID in heaven. There's no, I'm tired in heaven. You will have energy to worship the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. There's no stubbed toe in heaven. You know that? There's no pain. There's no sickness. Who's ready for heaven, y'all? I'm telling you. And sometimes, like Paul says, you got to weigh these things out. Is it worth giving up eternity to numb suffering that I'm feeling right here in this world? Because this is where the enemy really tricks people. How can you be suffering if God loves you? How can you be suffering if God is good? Listen, life is hard, but God is good. Lastly, how do we suffer well? Number one, we endure with a grateful heart. Number two, we persevere with a faithful spirit. And lastly, as the worship team comes up, we rejoice in the Lord. Come on, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit today. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord. What's that last word, church? Come on, what's that last word, church? Rejoice in the Lord always. Not only when I feel like it, not only when things are going good, not only, come on, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. My rejoicing is connected to his character and not my circumstance. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So my rejoicing will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy. Brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your your faith produces perseverance. My next point is consider it joy because God can turn this for my good. I heard someone say this, it wrecked my life. Wait and see what God does with what he didn't do. Wait and see. As we close, I'd like to read Revelation 6 and 9 and 11. He's so nasty on that organ. Oh, my gosh. It's like Whoa. The anointing is flowing up here. Revelation talks about martyrs, people who died for the cause of Christ. Listen, I know I know you, you thought about today, should I go to church, should I not go to church? There's a global church that their life is in danger when they go to church. I know we think, should I go next week? I don't know, it's a little hot. I don't know, you know, we're very comfortable in this, in this church, guys. The global church does not have it as good as you have it. The global church can't walk with their Bible under their arm. The global church can't go to the mall and evangelize. The global church can't go to the streets and preach the gospel. The global church is suffering and dying for the cause of Christ. Ever since Jesus resurrected, began a a martyr. What's a martyr? Martyrs are people who die for their faith in Jesus. And there's a portion of scripture in the book of revelation where all those who died for their faith are looking up at God and they're saying Jesus why don't you return already avenge our blood we died for this and and sin is still in the world and people are still evil and evil still exists God Read the book. It says in Revelation 6, 9 and 11, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And in verse 10, and they cried out with a loud voice. Oh, God! They say, how long, oh, Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell in the earth? They say, God, we died for this, and our our murderers are still living, they're still eating, they're still drinking, they still have amazing prosperity. And God, when will you avenge our blood? When are you gonna repay evil? When? So, like as as we exist today, those who are dead in Christ are just waiting for God to raise them up. When will you avenge our blood? What a prayer! Verse 11, then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they shall rest a little longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So God says, God says, hold off a little longer. God says, he tells the martyrs, those who are dead in Christ that started with Stephen, hold on a little longer. Because the number of martyrs will triple before I return. The number of people who would die for my name is you, your fellow servants, and your brethren together. Did he know in the last 100 to 200 years of deaths for Christ compared to the last 2,000, it's tripled in the last few hundred years. Those who have died for the cause of Christ. God is saying, listen, I'm not slow to return because I'm afraid of the enemy. I'm holding back my son because there are still people who are to receive me for the very first time. There are still children who are waiting. There are still people who will come to know me. There are still people who will die for my name. The number of people who will die for me, listen, it's going to outweigh all of you. It's going to triple the amount. It's going to triple the amount. Revelation 21 and 4. Come on, I hope this encourages you. It says this, last verse. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Church, the next time you're in suffering, come on, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Or maybe you're in suffering right now and it was hard to lift your hands. Listen, we praise God not because of the suffering but in the suffering. My my last point today is this. Next time you're you're in trouble, you're experiencing any type of suffering, sickness, pain, death, tension, hatred. I want you to just say this to yourself. The Last point. I was trained for this. Can you stand up to your feet today? Come on, can you look at your neighbor and say, hey, I was trained for this. Come on, look at the person behind you and say, I was trained for this. I was trained for this. I was trained for this. I was trained. Jesus says, listen, Jesus trained, he says, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Every head bow, every eye closed in this place. This is a salvation prayer. I'll make two prayers today, one for salvation and one for a prayer of endurance. One is for people who don't know Jesus, who don't have a relationship with him, and one is for those who do have prayer and faith in God, but they want prayer to endure, to persevere. With every head by every eye closed, salvation is given through faith in Jesus alone. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but Jesus gives grace and mercy to those who repent and turn and fix their eyes to him. All over this place, with every head by every eye closed, if you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus hasn't returned yet, because of this moment right now for your life. This is the moment of salvation that you become saved. And you turn your fix, and you turn your eyes, you fix your eyes on God. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand as a sign of surrender, and then we're gonna meet at the altar right after that. If you want Jesus, if you want salvation, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Unafraid and unashamed. Jesus died for you so that you can live for him. On the count of three, if you want Jesus, ready? One, two, three. Three, any hands for salvation. Come on, I see one hand. I see two hands. Come on, is there anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I see three hands going up. Amen. Three hands went up. Can you keep your hands up? If you you raise your hand, keep it up. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? All right, church, here's what we're going to do. This is our part now. If you raise your hand. I want you to make a second step, and we want to pray for you here at the altar, church. Can we celebrate them as they come up? Come on, can you make your way to the altar? Come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up. Get you get out of your row, get out of your seat. Come on up, come on up. Bring them, bring them, bring them, bring them. In the name of Jesus, come on. Bring them up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good to see you. They're coming up, church. They're coming up. It may have been hard for a while, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Jesus loves you. He's for you. He forgives you. Your past is gone and the new has come. God sent you here today. God sent you here today for a purpose and for a reason. Can we lay hands on her? Lay hands on everyone, please. Lay hands on them. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says to be saved, you got to say a prayer of salvation. We're going to say it and we're going to pray it all together. Church, you invited them here to church. You brought them here. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus. I'd invite everyone to stretch their hands forward to the loved ones and family that are receiving Jesus as a Lord and Savior today. The Bible says to be saved, you got to say this prayer. Come on, let's say it together. Say, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent and I turn away. I have faith that you are the Son of the living God. Forgive me. Right my wrongs. Clear my history clear my past. Today, I am new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I receive your Holy Spirit, the promise over my life. And today, I am saved. Amen and amen. Church, can we make some noise in this place?